Thank you for joining us at the Roundtable. Brought to you by Community Education Arts, a nonprofit organization based in Noblesville, Indiana. I'm Alice Cavanis Gober, President of CE Arts. And I'm Sarah E. Morin, Secretary of CE Arts. Let's sit down at the Roundtable. Welcome back to our conversation with A. Paul Johnson, fabulous composer. You've just heard When Will I Learn, Rose West on vocals. Let's get right back to our conversation. We formed the company in Florida. You know, we had Apollo Project uh, as our uh, sort of co-op shield because it was a corporation because individual artists and contracts, that's a rough one because, yeah. you know, it's subjective, subjective, subjective. Mm -hmm. And boy, I tell you, when I started my career, there were excuses you wouldn't believe to not pay or half pay or whatever. But when you have a corporate contract and a corporation, you're equal partners. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, General Motors. I mean, your, your contract is equal to theirs because it's corporate to corporate. 
I can't tell you how many times I was paid to go home and not talk to the other people at companies. Oh my gosh. The contracts were fulfilled, but because, you know, I would say something about the toxic atmosphere or the roadblocks or why we're not creating or moving as quickly as possible. And, you know, that it was being created mm-hmm. to throw in our, our past from people who did not understand what we were doing. Uh, yeah. They got to get you out of there. They got to get you out of there. <laughs> Hush money. <laughs> and, uh, and artists need to have, you know, an emergency fund to float yeah. them so that they can keep their integrity through those times. So and not, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, then that's a tough one. It took it me a long is. time to learn that lesson, but uh, you know, if there's young artists out there, start now, you know, getting some kind of extra fund that you don't even know is there and just, you know, throw 20 bucks in it every week or whatever. So that that's when good that advice. Time, that is good. When advice. that time comes, you can look at that and say, Oh, I can live for three months off that. Whatever. I'm going to walk away from this. And area. I'm going to walk away because my soul is, as particularly as an artist, because I'm expressing that those soulful things for so many other people, my soul is worth more than the last yeah. two weeks of working That's, on this. That is such good advice. It, it is very hard to do. Like I said, a lot of the artists I talk to are, uh, you know, right next door to the starving artist, you know, stereotype. Mm-hmm. And it is very hard to... Um, you know, set aside anything in, in best of circumstances that kind of is almost a perfect segue into, uh, (laughs) you know, being an artist in the global pandemic, you know? So, um, given that, you know, it is, it can be a challenge to set a little aside at any time in a person's life. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you how, uh, because you have traveled the world and been so many places and done so many things, you know, I realize now in the pandemic, we're in a slightly different phase than we were a year and a half, two years ago. But in that time period, um, most of the artists I've talked to during this pandemic time period, and that, that is why we started doing at the round table in zoom, the, the picture you see behind me is my dining room table. And that is where we recorded at the round table. That's why we call it the podcast at the round table. We actually had recordings right there. Um, so transitioning to zoom was a COVID-19, you know, adjustment. And, uh, I love it because, uh, again, I get videos out of it and, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to just, uh, meet people at any convenient time, you know, uh, day or night. I can just sit down in front of the computer and have an interview. So I, I do like some of that, that but um, I think for artists, there have been certain challenges. Now, for you in particular, I know you kind of thought you were retired, then you started writing some more. I'm not exactly sure where that time frame fit in with the pandemic or anything like that, but just in general, have you felt an impact with, uh, you know, the, the constrictions or limitations? Maybe yes, as- yes, and, yes and no. Uh, during my career, because, you know, performing arts are, are so demanding on time and energy. Yep. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I would come home and just say, oh, if I just had six months yeah. where I didn't have to go anywhere, <laughs> talk to anybody, you know, no appointments. Right. Be careful wouldn't what you be, wish for. <laughs> wouldn't that be just dreamy? Wouldn't that know? be dreamy? <laughs> and, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it, it never really happened in, until the, the show. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> be careful what you ask of the exactly. universe. Exactly. I mean, I think every artist has thought, oh, yeah. if I could just be alone in my studio, you know, and yeah. not be bothered by having to go to a gallery or a concert hall or this or that or the other. And then suddenly there we all were. And I swear to you, 50% of the artists I talked to, their their creativity just shut down. They, they didn't produce anything for six months to a year. You know, it was it's kind of amazing. <laughs> we got what we asked for and it wasn't fun. <laughs> you know? uh, it, there, there's a great, great line from Stephen Sondheim's End of the Woods at the end and Cinderella says, be careful what you ask for. Dreams come true, not free. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, so I was, yeah, looking at the, now fortunately, you know, I'm of an age, I turned 65 in January of the show. So I had just signed up for Social Security. Mm -hmm. So I had just started an, a new opera. Uh, I had finished an opera that I, I think we're going to talk about at some point mm -hmm. uh, called Love Ted. Yeah. And uh, this idea for the new opera, the it's in three acts. And the first act, I let the characters actually write the libretto as they went along. Wow. There was no preconceived libretto for the first act. Wow. But during the course of that drama, they uncover an old medieval manuscript that is a story, uh, a good, you know, story of how to treat artists, basically. And I did structure that. I'm working on that second act right now. And then they'll come back in the reflection on it all for act three. Again, I'm not going to script. I'm going to let the opera write itself. Wow. So having that time to... Uh, explore a, a new way of writing uh -huh. uh, was very beneficial. And I had also always wanted to write a novel. And I took that shutdown time and took a bunch of scraps and notes and early scribblings for a story uh, that uh, leads up to a group of artists and a group of young politicians who go to, to Costa Rica, where I used to teach, and uh, they, they try to come up with a new bl blueprint for a new, new culture. Oh, wow. Because the politicians are, 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 have the power, but they're stuck in uh, a groove that is unproductive. And the artists have all this sort of wild and crazy creativity. And until they, they start, power. Yeah. <laughs> until they start yeah. communicating about mm -hmm. how these two worlds need to come together, the fear is that there's going to be a downward spiral. And we sure. you know, certainly experienced some of that during the, oh, yes. during the shutdown. Yeah. So uh, hardest thing I ever did. Uh, novel That's writing true. is much more difficult, I think, than composition. Of course, it could be because it was new to me and, and composition was so fluid. But boy, that, that was a lot of, a lot of work, you know. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that's, that's how I spent the shutdown. Well, that's really that's really interesting to me because you you seem to have embraced the the positive possibilities of trying something new, you know, being creative in different ways and all that kind of stuff, and at the same time understanding that you know, hey, I I used to long for this kind of isolation, and now what am I gonna do? So I mean, I think that speaks to a lot of experience for creatives during the pandemic. I think I wanted to ask you in particular because your your performance art is it requires an audience. I mean it it almost, you know, 
you know, theaters uh, across the world struggled to stay afloat, you know, because they couldn't have any productions, you know. So um, I feel like people who are in any performance-based art um, were at a worse disadvantage than, say, a poet or, you know, yeah, somewhat a visual artist who could, you know, you know, paint something or whatever and then put that image out there on the Internet. You know, it's a little, it's well, a little I was, difference. There. I mean, you can, I you can have videos and you can have recordings, but yeah. the live experience is what I'm You're talking right. about of performance art cannot be duplicated or even come close to even in a zoom th i mean if we were talking in person it would be very different than talking in zoom it just is is a different art form and and, and again i had to kind of learn that as we went because uh with our company the apollo project one of the things that we put in our our corporate goals was to start you know recording uh new work mm -hmm. and we recorded in a lot of genres and different artists but of course i was central to that since i was the primary producer for the company but another thing that happened during the shutdown was as live performance licensing dropped off a little bit but you know broadcasting actually kicked kicked up right right and uh i was very fortunate that uh, a lot of my repertoire has been recorded uh in the studio Good. Where yeah. it's like the difference between a play and a film. Yeah. Sometimes you can do things with film that you cannot do on stage that right. are very powerful dramatically if, yep. you know, yep. the, the director and the ensemble know how that art form works. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true of the studio. There are things that work in the studio that we would go out, like to publicize an album, and of course they wouldn't happen live, but now there's something different. Like you right. say, that energy is circulating sure. in the room, and that makes up for the difference of the you know, manipulations of the, the recording devices. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's been a big benefit, that that repertoire exists in two different aspects. Yeah. You know, in the, the music that, that can be taken up by an orchestra or a string quartet or whatever and produced live, or, you know, you can go to a performer's edition or one of the albums, right, you know, and then right. you can ride around in your car. I can't tell you how many people say, they they've really began began to be fans of my music because of riding around in the car with it. Yes. Oh, yeah. In the car. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that. Well, and that's, that's, one, and that's one on one communication. It is. You yeah. know, you're there with them, like we're talking. Right. Person to person, mano a mano. You know, mm -hmm. it's a direct communication. They don't have to worry about what other people in the room are no. feeling, thinking, doing. Yeah. You know, their reaction is very pure and very spontaneous. Yeah. When you fill that space in, with that person one on one like that, that's a magical moment, I think. And and I I really do feel that music is almost uh, alone in that ability to create that one on one connection so almost instantaneously i i can't tell you how many times in my life i've heard a song or you know a tune um that that i it is a favorite for the rest of my life and i heard i've heard it once and it just that was it you know and i think that having that experience with music is gosh it's soul saving you know it really is more, more so for me anyway than than uh 
bonding with poetry or a visual art. N nothing against those forms. I mean, I, I create those forms, so I love them. Music but. is subliminal. Music is going into your cells. It's going into your nervous yeah. system. Mu and you music can be sound becomes asleep. part of you in a way. Yeah, you can be sound asleep and it affects your metabolism. Yeah, you know, that's very true. You can true. be a baby in the womb and understand yes. not one yeah. word not of one word. language yeah. yet. But, but yeah. that music is affecting you emotionally and spiritually yep. at yep. levels that we still have no way of knowing. We've not discovered. That's an undiscovered territory. Yeah, it's, it is beyond uh, anything. It's hard to even put into words. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's beyond. It feels beyond a human experience. It feels it's beyond like words, but it's not beyond music. There you go. That's right. There's another one. T-shirt. <laughs> Join us next time as we continue our conversation with composer A. Paul Johnson. This has been At the Roundtable with Alice and Sarah E. of Community Education Arts. Our nonprofit organization is based in Noblesville, Indiana. You can find us online at cearts.org. We'd like to thank James Weston for writing our intro music and for his technical savvy. Join us next time at, at the Roundtable. Table.